Well, that reading is from the Vigil Mass yesterday, which is an option we have. Zechariah was a, one of the priests, he was a Levite, and he and his wife had no children, and they had prayed all their lives that God would, would bless them with a child. Here they are, way beyond the childbearing years. And Zechariah is, it's his turn to go into the temple. Now, you know, there were, there were somewhere between 20 and 25,000 priests at the time of Zechariah. So they divided them into 24 different groups, two per month. So Zechariah's turn, his group, came due. And so wherever they lived, uh, on, on Karim is traditionally where they lived at some, uh, some journey from Jerusalem, not too far, outside of the city even today. And so they would go up to Jerusalem for that week or that two weeks. And while he was there, his name was chosen by Lot to be the one to burn the incense in the altar that day. So what that meant was you had in the temple the Holy of Holies, which should be behind, inside the building, behind a curtain, where only the high priest, like Caiaphas, would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement to make an offering for the sins of the people. Inside was only the presence of God. There'd be nothing in there physically at that time. In front of that was a place called the Holy, and that was the, like the name of the church. It would not be a place of assembly. Uh, it had in it a table with showbread. It had a menorah, seven, seven candelabra we're familiar with from Hanukkah. And it had, among other things, lampstands and, and a table of incense. Zechariah was there to change the incense at the precise hour that all the people outside and any other priests that were serving at that time in the court of the priests would pray with him as Zechariah enters alone, probably for the first and only time he would ever have gone into the temple. Very rare to get this, have your name chosen when there were so many priests. So this is a big deal. And it's a very liturgical deal. And it's precisely at this moment when he's at the altar of incense over here in the temple, changing the changing all this stuff and here's here's the archangel Gabriel you know <laughs> I well maybe he didn't stand like that I don't know um, the angel of the Lord appears to him standing just to the right of the altar of incense can you imagine what would you do if the angel Gabriel appeared to you well after I after I after I woke up you know, I'd pass out, wouldn't you? Um, because here, the, the world of the future, the world that is now unseen because we are in time, suddenly becomes visible to Zechariah. He's read about the archangel Gabriel, like the book of Daniel, where Gabriel appears there. He will appear to Mary three months later. This is, this is big stuff. And Zechariah, who's an educated man, he's afraid. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled and asked herself what this greeting could mean. He says, do not fear, you've found favor with God. See, it's the same dialogue. Gabriel's going to use almost exactly the same order. And 
He says, you're going to have joy and gladness. You name him John, but you will name him Jesus. He'll be son of the Most High, and his reign will have no end. And John will, ever will, will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of God, neither drinking wine nor strong drink. Be a Nazarite, is what this means. Filled with the Holy Spirit, going in the spirit and power of Elijah, and so on. And Mary, Mary says, how can this be, since I do not know man? She has made a, a vow of virginity. How can, God, how can God do this when I've already made a commitment? Very legitimate question. Zechariah's question, which is not listed here, which is very critical. He says, to the angel Gabriel, he says, how can this be? I'm an old man. And then there's Sarah. kind of an excuse is that? <laughs> and you get the impression that the angel is taken aback by this dialogue. And he says, he says, he says, I am the archangel Gabriel. The way I picture it, forgive me, Gabriel, I'm going to get in trouble someday for this. I am the archangel Gabriel. <laughs> picture wings, okay? I am the archangel Gabriel. I stand before the throne of God. Do you realize I came out of the Holy of Holies? They're in the middle of the temple. Do you realize who I am and who you are and what I just announced to you? He says, I came to you to bring you this good news. But since you did not believe my words, you're not going to speak for nine months. What good news? <laughs> I said, this, this is great. You know, I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have these visions because, you know, I, I would tick the angel off. I wouldn't be the one that said the right thing. I'm... You know, I mean, you know, it's it, apparently um, Gabriel's kind of sensitive, you know. <laughs> but uh, my point, really, in looking at the difference between Mary and and uh, Zachariah's response, is that the the will of God will very rarely show up as an angel. It often shows up in our lives, however, unexpectedly, with difficulties in illness, in things that are challenging, we're not expecting them, and suddenly you're confronted with the will of God. There are many, many, many insights from this reading and the Annunciation. I think the most important one you can take away from from it is before the conception of these two children, not just Jesus who had pre-existence, but John who did not have pre-existence, like the rest of us. Jesus was God. He existed before he was born and picked his own mother. John did not exist at this time, but God already knew him, had a name for him, had his life's mission. It's the same with us. We don't have an angel announcing our birth, but we are just as important in the scheme of things to the people around us. It's, it's not, these are not accidents that are occurring here. Nobody's an accident. Nobody's unwanted. So, but what happens when God's will is announced to us? Sometimes that is unwanted. I find this reading to be very poignant because precisely that the response of Zechariah leads to laryngitis. All of you who have been in Paris for a while know I've, I've battled with that quite a bit in my life. Got some answers a few years ago. Things are better now. Um, knock on wood. If that is wood. I have my doubts. <laughs> Uh, I never quite figured out if that's metal or wood, but anyway. Um, 
But what do we do when we're confronted with the will of God? Zechariah was struck silent. For nine months, Elizabeth got the last word. <laughs> and you see it in the, in, the, in, the, in the other gospel where they say, he gets out a tablet and says, his name is John. And, I mean, excuse me, she says his name is John. That's the only line she's, she has. And Zechariah can't contradict her. He has to write it out. And at that point, his mouth is open. He had nine months to, to think about what had happened, and he praised God. He was ready for that. When I'm confronted with the will of God, or you are, in a sense, all things are as if it were the Archangel Gabriel coming to announce the will of God for us. In reality, life sets forth various things in motion that we must respond to, and many of them are not of our choosing. Or we've prayed for years and years and years, and after we've given up, we think it's impossible. I'm too old. It can't happen anymore. Here comes the Archangel Gabriel, and now it's going to happen. Am I going to respond faithfully? Because now it's God's going to set this in motion. Or he sets an illness in motion, uh, like I had over Christmas a few years ago. I lost my voice right before Christmas. And God says, you know, that's my will for you. I said, I've got things to say. <laughs> he said, you always do. <laughs> but not anymore. He said, you know what? Life will go on, and you will not. So... Uh, this is the thing is, is suddenly God's will changes everything. We've all experienced this. But how do I respond to it? Am I like Mary, who asks very pertinent and pointed questions of God's emissary, the angel? We have every right to question and to, uh, to dialogue as we decide what God's will is. Zechariah, however, dialogued and decided it was not possible. Recognized that this was an angel of God, didn't know who it was. Even married, the angel Gabriel didn't say, I'm the archangel Gabriel. It must have come to her later. But they both recognized that God was speaking. What do they do about it? What do I do when there's a church teaching that I find difficult? I, I have to dialogue with it. I have to ask God, what do you want of me, Lord? What do I do when I'm ill? And my life changes forever, or somebody I love is extremely ill. We have to dialogue with it. How do I deal with God's will? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Mary said, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Zechariah said, it's impossible. How can God do this? But you see, God worked with both responses. Zechariah was not condemned. He simply had to do penance. He missed his opportunity to say yes at the beginning, but he was ready to say yes at the end. So I think these two types of which Jesus, the Son of God, John the Baptist, his cousin, his, the, the forerunner, both of their parents had opportunities to respond to the will of God in different ways. We even see this with Joseph, who at first is very hostile to what Mary has to say, and then later is taken in when he has a dream of the angel. So we ask God that he will help us with our own special mission in life that we all have, that he will help us to say yes to his will, either before, either as we hear it, or after we have thought about it, or even after we've said no. 
but always to know that God allows us to speak to him about his will and that he is always with us.